You are listening to the Revive the World Ministries podcast. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.org or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. So I got a quick correction on a quote that I gave last week. You remember that quote that I had a hard time remembering, and then I remembered it, but then I realized I remembered it wrong. <laughs> I should have just looked at my phone. Just don't, you know what I mean? Don't try so hard. Um, <clears throat> so it was a quote from Leif Hetland that I had heard him say at VOA, and this is the quote. If I speak truth without love, it's mean. If I speak truth without love, it's mean. But if I love without truth, it's meaningless. If I speak truth without love, it's mean, but if I love without truth, then it's meaningless. How do I know it's truth? The truth sets us free. All right? So, anyway, that's not the topic today, but I did want to give you the correct correct quote of that. Anybody writing that down, you need it again? You need it one more time? You good? All right. All right, you guys want to open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And I think I'm going to start in verse 7. Probably go down to about 13 or so. If you're familiar with this particular passage, you know that, that Paul in the first six verses is basically uh, in a holy way bragging about his pedigree and uh, all the things that he accomplished, which actually were quite impressive. Um, he had something to boast about in the flesh or in the natural. You know, he had accomplished a lot. He was a very, very intelligent man. And when he talked about concerning the law, he was actually blameless, without fault. And you didn't find very many people like that. And so that, that is pres- impressive in and of itself. Um, and so then we're going to pick up in verse 7. Um, but what I want to talk to you today about is one of the things that I see as, um, as a stronghold or as a It restricts us from being able to walk in the fullness of love and ultimately the fullness of our identity, and that is a victim mindset. <clears throat> and so, and even if it's been a long time since you've been victimized, there's still a victim mindset that comes, and hopefully today the Holy Spirit will, will bring that stuff to the surface, and I'm, I'm very familiar with it, um, but so I'm, I'm not here to to point out your stuff, uh, but I am here to hopefully help you get into a whole nother realm of freedom um, so that we can walk in the fullness of love and the fullness of who we are as sons and daughters because that's really important to the world around us, right? They need to be able to see the Father through us. And when I carry a victim mentality, what it does is it, it just restricts the Holy Spirit from operating fully freely in my life in the ways that He wants to. Uh, am I saying that he can't override those things? Absolutely not. He's God. He does whatever he wants, right? But those things, without getting freedom from them and my mindset shifting, 
and those strongholds coming down that are in my mind, it will actually continually come up in my life and be this thing. Uh, you know, when the children of Israel were leaving, um, were leaving Egypt, and it, it's when the when God was planning. You know, He already had a plan. He's like, I, I knew that the. The Egyptian army was going to chase after you. And so what they're going to think is that the wilderness, because there was a wilderness on both sides of them, the Red Sea was in front of them, the Egyptian army was behind them. And he said, what they're going to believe is that the wilderness has shut you in, right? And, and caught you up. And so it's like feeling like they are trapped. And the Egyptians, when, they, when the children of Israel saw the Egyptian army coming or heard them coming, they immediately reverted back to their captivity, even though they weren't captive any longer. And so being free physically from the captivity did not shift their mindset, right? And so some of us have come out of those environments where victimization took place, where hurts took place, where uh, bondages happened, where we picked up habits that, that messed us up and caused us, as Dan, Dan Moeller says, to boast in who we are not, right? We are just boasting in who we, who we aren't. And so when we come out of those places, that doesn't bring us the freedom. It's the shift in my thinking that actually solidifies the freedom, even though Jesus already paid for it, and I'm walking as a child of God at some level, Right, And the Spirit of God is inside of me, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But I think it's better said, where the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. And so when I submit to His Lordship, which is the very first thing that I submit to, then it, it helps me to be able to come up under everything that he has for me. And it's a continual process. It's not an overnight thing. It, yes, he can absolutely zap you, and it all happened in a moment. I just haven't had that in my experience or in, or in any of the people's experience that I get to mentor or father. And so I always hope for that. I always believe for that because I know he's God and he can do it in a moment. And I'll never stop believing for that. But I also have a plan for the process at the same time. And so, another thing that the Father said there in, in Exodus, and I believe it's around 13, is he, he said that they'll, when they think you're trapped in by the wilderness, it will actually look to them as if you are being pulled backwards into their, I'm para, this is Tony's paraphrase version, one of my favorites, but it's pulling you ba backwards into their, their captivity. But those are sometimes the root issues in our life, that's what they actually do. They pull us back into the captivity, even though we're not still in those environments, we're not still in those places, we're not still in those lifestyles, but because we still have that thinking, it actually brings us back. It's like we ever felt like you take one step forward and two steps back? Sometimes it's because of the root issues that are in our lives. Those aren't because there's something wrong with you. It isn't because that's God's plan for you. It isn't because he created you to be like that. It isn't because he's messing with you. It's because there's root issues that some of us have, and I'm very familiar with them myself, is I used to always, it was a constant battle. I feel like I'd get this breakthrough, and then days later I feel like I would be being drugged back into this place that I felt, I'm like, I feel like I'm, every time I gain ground, I lose more ground than I gain. You familiar? And so I equate that to root issues that are on the inside of us. 
I don't blame the devil for that. He's not that powerful. I'm not going to give him that much credit, right? And so let me clarify this before I I get into these scriptures, is that I I am not saying that you don't have legitimate case for the hurt that's in your life. I'm not saying that you haven't been victimized. I'm not saying that those things weren't damaging. I'm not saying there wasn't trauma that came with that. I understand all that. Um, I'm compassionate for that. I'm merciful for those particular things. Um, But I also know that you are no longer a victim, but you were created to be a victor, right? And so those things don't have to be the things that define my life any longer, Because we have a gospel that's way more powerful than those things. We have a gospel that makes us way more powerful than those things. You're way more powerful than the things that have victimized you and the things that have damaged you and the things that have hurt you, right? You know, when I wrote wrote the book um, that you see out there, I could have placed blame a lot of different places, right? And I actually I had a, there was some conflict that I have during the writing process within myself and with others that felt like the book should go in a certain direction, but I, it, because it would have been, it would have, it would have been a good read that way. It's still a good read, but it was going in a direction that internally I knew was wrong. And essentially what it was going to do was cause false guilt and, and um, on people that, that shouldn't have it. And it was going to put, throw, for lack of a better term, throw people under the bu- bu- a bus and essentially point the finger at this is why I went through these things. And it was going to be the blame game. Uh, the blame game started in the garden. Blaming actually comes from the fall of man and is part of our old our sin nature. It's a number one identifier when we see people that say when they start when there's issues in their life and they start saying it's there, it's because of and, and they start pointing the finger ex- externally and don't take a good hard look at their self first, it's a number one indicator of an identity issue. Always somebody, else's, always somebody else's problem. Always somebody else's fault. It's, it's because of them I'm like this. Right? All that stuff. I've, I've been down that road. And, and now I know. I'm very familiar with it. And now I understand those identifiers. So when those thoughts come up in my mind and I have the temptation to say, oh, it's because of the Holy Spirit checks me so that I can get back into my new nature and realize that this is not, this is a, this is a beautiful quote. <clears throat> so, an un, I think this, Jason Valentin, I think posted this. You familiar with Jason Valentin? <clears throat> Chris Valentin's son. He has an amazing book on forgiveness. If you haven't read it, I think it's Supernatural Forgiveness. Am I, am I right about that? So it's an amazing book on forgiveness. But this says, uh, an unhealed person can find offense in pretty much anything someone does. A healed person understands that the actions of, other has, uh, actions of others has absolutely nothing to do with them. Each day you get to decide which one you are. 
Let me read that again. An unhealed person can find offense in pretty much anything that someone does. A healed person understands that the actions of other ha- others has absolutely nothing to do with them. <clears throat> this, is, this is what we find when we've been victimized and we're not healed, is that offense, it, it easily happens within us. And in Colossians 3.14, in the Passion Translation, it says that love is unoffendable. Love's our new nature. You want to know what your new nature is? Look at 1 Corinthians 13 and read it over and over and over again because that's the nature of the Father and that's, the, that's our nature because, it has been, uh, because we've been born again into a new nature by incorruptible seed. And so all the way down to the molecular structure, we've been changed by the seed. I don't have to explain what that is, right? To the, by the Spirit of God that came from our born-again experience, our rebirth, which actually changed us into this new person. So we have a new nature in Christ. And now my mind just has to catch up with it. But when there's unhealed parts of my heart, even after I'm born again, there can still be unhealed parts of my heart. And then I find it easy to be offended at other people's actions. And right, because offense is a trap. Have you ever read The Bay of Satan by John Brevere? I read that book when I first became a Christian, probably a year into Christianity. It was a it was a beautiful book that I believe set me up to be able to be successful and stay void, even though I still got offended several times. But one of our, our dear friends and uh, spiritual parents, David Wagner, has this quote, and uh, he said, whatever offends me reveals me. Whatever offends me reveals me. And so what I, I would do every time I would get offended when I heard that quote probably five years ago is that I would actually begin to sit with the Holy Spirit and I would begin to dialogue with him and ask him why I was offended. And he would always take me back to some root issue. One of those root issues that was pulling me back into a place that I wasn't created to live from any longer because in the kingdom, we only advance, right? We go from glory to glory. The kingdom's always advancing. It's not stopping and it's not backing up. It's only going forward, right? I'm not saying that God doesn't leave the 99 to go after the one. That's not, the kingdom's still advancing Why he does that. The whole, the whole thing doesn't stop when he's going after one of those that uh, either are lost, who have left, or who were a casualty of the war that we're in, because that happens at times too. And so offense tries to trap me in this place to where I can't actually grow into my new nature the way that he created me to. And, And the only person that can allow that fence to take place is me. I am responsible over my own heart and my own mind. I am responsible over my growth. I am responsible for being able to recognize these things so that I can identify the traps that the enemy sets for me. And sometimes they're not even the enemy that's setting the trap. It's just because the unhealed part of my heart gets hit by something that somebody says and they didn't even know that they said something wrong. Actually, actually, a lot of times... <laughs> I found that the people that I got offended at had had no bad intentions. Do you know that the majority of the hurt that we experience don't come from people that have bad intentions and actually tried to hurt us? 
Because I found out that most people aren't maliciously out there just hurting people. They're either hurt people that are hurting people. They grew up like that, didn't know any better, right? Things like that. There's just things that happen that, you know, we just live in a broken, broken system, broken world. We have a bunch of broken people. And that's why Jesus came. <laughs> so that we don't have to remain broken any longer. And so Philippians chapter Chapter 3, I feel like is going to help us with this. I had this revelation that stuck out to me, and, it, and it's helping me because if I have a weak place, one of my, I, and, and I do, one of the weak places I have is that I really want to fix things. Men in the room understand what I'm talking about. Married, <laughs> women in the room know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Know that we like to fix things, right? And you may be a woman to be a fixer, but it's kind of a natural thing for us men to want to do is, is fix stuff, all right? And so sometimes in wanting to fix things, I will unintentionally meditate on situations a little longer than I should. You know how you, one of the identifiers that we have yet to reach forgiveness is that I tell and retell the things that have happened to me over and over again to pretty much anybody that will listen. I tell and retell the things that have happened to me over and over again. To, I'm not talking about to your therapist or your counselor or to your best friend or to your mentor. I'm talking about to almost anybody that will give you a listening ear. I tell it and I retell it. And that's the path to forgiveness, but when I continually do that, it reminds me that I haven't yet reached it. Right, that I'm on my way there, but I haven't forgiven completely yet to those things that have helped me. And because of that, I continually give that person in that situation way more power in my life than they should have. That's why those things continually pull me back. They're root issues. They're in my heart. They're not affecting that person any longer. They probably some of them don't even know it. Right? They don't know it. Some of them don't even know they did it, right? But yet it's still trapped me in. And I tell it and retell it because I'm still offended. I'm still offended and I've got this victim mindset that says this situation, this person is the cause of why my behavior isn't the way it is right now. It's a powerless, it's a powerless mindset. And I'm very familiar with it. Like I said, I could have wrote the book from a whole, whole different angle. I remember someone sitting across from me through a thick plated glass. At, I was 18 years old. And, and they were in tears, blaming themselves for me being the way that I was. And at 18, not even knowing Jesus, didn't, I'd never even heard the name of Jesus to my recollection. I had no idea what salvation was. But I told this particular person that day, I said, this is not your fault. I'm grown, even though my brain wasn't fully developed yet. But I could have blamed it on that too. I didn't know that back then. But I said, this is not your fault. I made my own choices. And now every day of my life, I get to make my own choices. Doesn't mean the hurt doesn't still hurt. I mean, think, but there's healing for that, right? That situation, I refuse to allow it to continue to have power over my life. 
I could allow a whole lot of situations to have. I could make a lot of excuses. But that's all they'd be. They'd be excuses. And then I would, real, I, I would never come into the fullness of who I am as a powerful person. Do you know you are a powerful person? And, and sometimes I know how it feels to take. It takes every bit of that power that you have to get up and face the day again, right? But when you choose to continually do it day after day, it actually becomes easier. Because there's patterns that are actually being built in my mind that help me believe I'm really powerful, regardless of what's happened to me. <clears throat> let's, let's get into the Bible. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. This is out of the New King James. It says, But what things were gained to me, remember Paul had been bragging, and rightfully so in the flesh. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. I like the King James Version a little bit better there, because it says dung. That I may... I think it just paints a better picture. <clears throat> that I may gain Christ, verse 9, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Isn't it amazing that we get to be righteous just because we believe? It just destroys all performance mentality. Because another thing that victimization or victim mindset does is it plays into performance mentality. Because when I still live in that place, then I feel like I have to actually... I actually have to earn things from God because I'm still in that place of feeling like I'm a victim and, and I'm not completely free. And so it plays into performance mentality and those two things play off of each other. And it causes me to live this life of striving that the Father is, trying, is inviting me out of every moment of every day. He's like, you don't have to try so hard. Just believe. Just believe in your righteous. Just believe in your holy. Just believe in your sinless. Just believe, in, and all you got to do is just what well, you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, and you will be saved. Isn't that amazing? It's just belief, right? And then those beliefs turn into actions when I believe who I am. So the righteousness which is from God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. We talked about that not too long ago. Being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I have already attained or already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. I want you to pay attention to this because I believe this is the key. This one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind to reach forward to those things which are ahead. <laughs> I, I, yeah, let me read that again. I'm going to read it in another translation in a second. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I want to define that word forget or forgetting. In the Greek, it says to lose out of my mind, to lose it out of my mind, or to neglect those particular things of my past. To lose it out of my mind, forget it, or to neglect 
those particular things that have happened in my past. Some people say, I can forgive, but I'll never forget. I'll tell you that that is not a kingdom mindset. Right? Because I, I, I'd question the forgiveness if I'm focused on not forgetting it. Right? Now, I'm not saying that those particular things don't leave scars even after they're healed. But they turn into testimonies. They don't turn into complaints. And actually, me blaming that particular person for the way that I am. You can tell the difference? One's healthy, one's not. One, I have a scar that doesn't hurt when it's touched. The other, I still have a wound that when it's poked with words, I will react to it. <clears throat> so, forgetting to lose out of my mind, or like David Wagner's mom said while she was on her deathbed, and I've told you, some of you have heard this before, but she said, I've, I've found the key to life. Some say that they can forgive and not forget, and some say they can forgive and forget. But what I've learned is what's best is that I actually learn to love people more than they can hurt me. <clears throat> that's, that's Jesus right there. I mean, that, was, that, that woman was, was Jesus in the flesh. When you can love people more than they can hurt you, forgiving and forgetting is not a problem. <clears throat> There's no condemnation if, if we're not there yet because I don't believe that I'm fully there yet in some ways. Like there's, but I, I want us to know, always know what's available to us so that I can have something. Now look at this. I can have something to look towards because in verse 14, he says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Do you remember the Apostle John in the, in the Revelation of, of Jesus Christ, the, the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, not the book of the Revelation of end times? <laughs> There's a side note. So, but he, what, what's God say to the Apostle John? He says, come up higher. Come up. <laughs> uh, the King James is funny. He says, come up hither. I'm like, <laughs> that's interesting. So <laughs> come up higher. But to, to me, John was the one that we look over the course of his life, and he had grown in love more than the rest of any of the disciples or apostles. You look, him in, in, look at him in John 13 as, a, as a, young teen, a young man who's a teenager, 16 to 18 years old. He's leaned back against Jesus' chest. The whole gospel of John is not included in the synoptic gospels most theologians because it's, it's so prophetic in nature from the very beginning. There's no genealogies in it. It starts out as, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word's with God, and the Word was God. I'm like, that's powerful re revelation right there. Nobody else's gospel starts out like that. And throughout his gospel, he talks about he is the one whom Jesus loves. He's the only one that says that. First John chapter 4, he's the only one that says God is love. And he says it multiple times to, to make a point. Right? The Spirit of God, I know, is writing through him, making a point through him. But they, he had chosen a vessel that had demonstrated the truth that was being revealed through him. So when he says to John, come up higher, I pay attention to that. Because John had demonstrated a love through his life like I don't see in anyone else in the Bible besides Jesus. He carried on what Jesus had walked in, more so than anyone else. And so when he says, come up higher, I'm thinking he's got, it's like, I've got, actually got more for you. And I, I look at that and I say, okay, God's always, always, and always got more for me. He always has more. 
And so when he says, I press toward, when Paul says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, he, even though, and, and you look at what Paul walked in, which was profound, and the revelation that he got, and the face-to-face with Jesus that he had, and, and all the time that he spent with him, and where he went from Saul to Paul in just moments, I look at his life and he says this, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He's saying there's more. I've seen a lot, I've done a lot, but there's more for me. And what I take out of this, what I gather from those two instances and encounters that those two great men of God had, is it looks to me like they, they know that there's more maturity for them in Christ. Because they'd done crazy miracles. They'd raised the dead. They'd casted out demons. They'd seen crowds surrender to Jesus. But he's saying there's more. And I'm not, I'm not saying that it's not more of the miraculous. I know there's always more of that as well. But I believe that both these men at the end of their life realized what was going to be the most important, what was the most costly, but what was the most valuable at the same time. And it was to grow into this place of maturity. So, <clears throat> verse 13 in the Passion Translation. He says, I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do, one, I, I do have one compelling focus. One compelling focus. I forget all the past. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. When you look at that, you, it, it makes it a little bit clearer that Paul's saying we actually have a choice. What will I focus on? What will I allow to run through my mind? What situation will I allow to continually be my meditation on a daily basis? And I'm very familiar and very compassionate for those of you that have situations that just pop up out of nowhere, right? That come back in your mind and then you get rid of them and the next hour it does it again. Or later on the day it happens again. Or later on that night when you lay down to go to bed. It's one of the number one times is when you lay down to go to bed and then that thing is, is there. And so I, I get that, right? I, I understand that. I've experienced that more times than I'd like to admit. I lost more sleep than, than, than I care to count the hours because of those very things. But when I read this and it says, I, I, I forget those things which are behind He's saying that I am refusing to continue to value them the same way and I am going to make the conscious choice to not allow that thought pattern to give power or to empower that thought pattern any longer in my life so that it doesn't continue to train my mind. Because every time we go, every time we start to have that thought, it brings us back into the situation, right? It's almost as if you have the experience all over again. It's just bringing us back into that place, right? Reliving, reliving the past. Now, there's a good part of that where you do that with a counselor. Or if you're mature enough, you can do it with Jesus, right? And, and, and there's, that's the healthy, healthy aspect of it. You're going to walk through this, get healed. Maybe it takes once. Maybe it takes 10 times. Maybe it takes a year. I don't know. Who knows? It, it, just, it just depends. I, I don't get to decide those things. But in doing that and making the conscious effort to get healthier and maturing, I am going to 
as I am forgetting the past, I am going to focus on what's in front of me and what's ahead. What do I have to focus on? For one thing, it's going to be real important that I have hope because hope is a confident expectation that good is coming my way. One of the, one of the reasons I see in my own life and in others that they continually fall into thinking about the past is because they don't feel like anything good is coming. So how, why would I think about the future when all, when all I think is bad's coming my way? And the reason I think that is because I continue to meditate on my experience, which causes my future to look the way that my past did. Does that make sense? We desire to grow into maturity. That's what it talks about in Hebrews 6 when he talks about laying aside, you know, like baptism, laying on of hands, all those things. The basic, he said these are basic principles of the gospel. He's essentially saying these are elementary principles of the gospel. But let us go on to maturity if the Lord will permit us to do so. It's Jesus' desire that we grow into this maturity, and so he gives us basic principles that actually help us with this. And so, you know, the. Hmm, let me read this again. I'm going to read on through 15 this time. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. For me to reach out and grab something, I have to be focused on what it is. Practically, reach and grab that water bottle. You're probably going to have to, it's going to be in your vision, right? It's going to be something that I focus on. It gets my attention. If, if this thing in front of me is getting my attention, that thing that behinds me is will not get my attention. <clears throat> but one of the goals in that is breaking the power of that thing. And destroying the mindset that somebody has to be at fault for the way that I am now. I don't believe anybody has to be at fault, but I do believe people need to be forgiven. Right? You know, it, it happened in the garden when Adam and Eve chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then God comes looking for them and he says, Adam, where are you? Do you think it's because he didn't know where Adam was? <laughs> Come on. This is what I hear when he says that, Adam, where are you? You've, he'd went, they had went and, and actually hidden from, the, from, from God, from love. You don't hide from love unless there's something seriously wrong. And, their, and the sin that they committed brought shame on them. And so I hear God saying, where are you? Where, 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 where's the nature I created in you? Where's the image that I created you in? Where's the spirit, the empowerment that I breathed into your life? And that's where blame started. And they started to blame one another. And every time I hear blame or think about blame, I think about the same thing. It's the fall of man. I'm not saying it wasn't someone else's fault. I'm not saying someone didn't cause it. I'm not saying they're not guilty. 
I'm just saying I don't have to continue to live like that. Because the more I blame, the less I grow. <clears throat> so, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 15, therefore let us, as many of us as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. He, he's, he's saying, so let all who are fully mature have this same passion. And if, if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal even this to them. That's out of the passion. He's saying this mindset in, the, in those verses, 7 through 13, come from maturity. And those that don't have the mindset, he said, this is what I hear, is that as long as they continue to pursue Jesus, this will be revealed to them as well. And so I don't have to worry about it, right? I don't have to make it happen. I don't, try to have to, I don't have to try to force people into it. All I need to do is one thing Jesus told me on, on the plane one time to Key West. I said, man, I need a word from you. Like I felt the weight of the word. I felt all kinds of pressure because I still had this performance thing. It was probably like 2017. I still had some of this stuff I was working out of my mentality. And, and, um, and he said, I just want you to focus on your relationship with me and live it out in front of other people. That's it. I just kept waiting for more. You know, when you hear a word from God and you're like, I don't, that can't be all of it. Like, <laughs> you're like, you've got, you've got more, right? And he just said it to me again. I just want you to focus on your relationship with me and live it out in front of other people. I thought, okay, I can do that. And so in focusing on my relationship with him, that's what grows me into maturity. And so having this mindset that I'm no longer going to give the things in my past power, but I'm actually going to focus on the future that the Father has for me because he created us for a purpose, and he has purpose for us. I told you this last week. I had somebody that had been a Christian longer than me asked me, they said, what's the purpose of this? You could tell when they said it, you could hear hopelessness. Like, what's the, what's the purpose of this? Well, relationship with the Father is the purpose. <laughs> and that ought to be enough, right? Because the more I get to know Him, the more I, clearly I see how good He is. And the more I begin to look like Him, and the more I begin to transform into love, and then I don't ask what the purpose is, because the purpose is the next person that stands in front of me. The purpose is the person that's looking back in the mirror at me. <laughs> the purpose is all around me, and it's to love freely, heart wide open, unconditionally, every single person, no matter how broken and messy they are. I will come into a place where I'm not afraid to love broken and messy people just because I came out of that same place. I remember not too many years after coming out of addiction, I would not go into or around people that were messed up in addiction still actively using because that was wise. All right? I needed somebody with me. I hadn't grown into that place where I trusted myself. Now I can go in trap houses or anywhere else with drug addicts or it doesn't matter. I, I can go into any of those places in the temptation. It doesn't exist any longer. Right? It's not there. 
And so I grew into maturity, right? And, and, and I became unafraid to love those same kind of people and get close to them because I was no longer remembering even the things that that had done to me, even of all the stuff that it had caused my, all the people that it hurt and not just my family. I was able to forget that because I knew I had been forgiven of that. And I forgave people that got me involved in that and all of the things. And I no longer blame them. Right? I don't point the finger at them. Because I'm able to apply this principle to my life, but it's not just in that area. I realize that I still need to apply that principle today. To forget those things that happened a year ago, five years ago. Because it's not just since, it's not... Before we were Christians, that some of this stuff took place, right? You're going to be hurt again. It's likely to happen. Not prophesying over your life or making a declaration. It's not positive. I'm just saying that you're, if you're going to love broken people, you're going to get hurt, right? Unintentionally or maybe even intentionally, who knows? And this basic principle of the gospel is going to be important to us. Because, why? It's because I need to be able to continue to love unconditionally. And when I get hurt, the temptation is to close off my love and restrict it from you. Because I think, well, I just that's not going to happen again. Because my experience teaches me that if I love people that are broken, I get hurt. But my experience is not the truth. It's just a fact. It's a fact of something that happened, which is the lowest form of truth. It's a fact that that chair will hold you, right? It's a fact of the natural. But it's the lowest form of truth because it won't change your life. But the fact of experience will change my life, but it won't grow me into maturity. It will actually restrict my growth. And the experience that we've had of the hurt that's been caused to us and all the blame that could be shifted to other people. And in some situations, I don't know your situation. It could be horrific, right? I'm sure we've got a room full of people that could tell a bunch of horrific stories that would bum us all out, right? Make us cry. I'm, I'm very confident of it. <laughs> I, know, I know some of them, right? I know some of them. But what... Will my focus be? What will I allow my mind to, to actually meditate on on a daily basis? <clears throat> and so as I, as I close this, this is what I want to do. I feel like that there's the opportunity. There's, um, in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, it talks about uh, bringing thoughts captive, uh, that we actually have the power, the weapons of our warfare uh, are, are not of fleshly carnal things, but they're mighty through God that actually pull down strongholds. And we have good strongholds and bad strongholds. Bad strongholds come from the stuff that I've been talking about that we've meditated on and they've set up camp in our mind. And that's why the thoughts continually come because there's a stronghold there. And sometimes it takes lots of time to get that out of there. But I've also watched in moments... I've watched God tear down that stronghold. You know, it's, it's no different than we've seen heroin addicts in a moment completely detox with no pain, nothing. 
I mean, God can do anything. You know, I was thinking about that this morning. I was thinking about uh, Caleb, a uh, little boy in Brazil. That he's, he's the pictures in the book and um, just severely autistic and, and healed in a moment, right? A little boy, I found out his name, uh, Joshua, who couldn't hardly speak a word, who was mentally handicapped and uh, in this last trip to Karachi this year and who started to fluently speak in English. It was one of the most. It was one of the craziest. One of the craziest top three craziest miracles I've ever seen. Joshua is his name, and so they're they're working on. They've called his parents. I hope to be able to see him when I go back in in March. But I was thinking about those, those miracles. If that sometimes, hear me when I say this. Let me finish. <laughs> But I'm I'm all for I'm all for the counseling aspect of it, right? I go for checkups myself. Like it's good for me to be able to talk to talk to somebody, former former pastors that are counselors now that deal with the whole you know soul and everything. It's I go to a, an amazing guy, and I and I do that stuff. But I never want to lean so hard on it that I think, oh, this is going to be a long drawn out process. Believe me, your counselor. If they, if they love Jesus and they're a Christian, they, they, don't, they don't want you in that long, drawn-out process either. Now, if they don't know Jesus, I'm not going to tell you what they think. They may like that 200 bucks an hour, you know, for the rest of your life. <laughs> or, what, or whatever it is. Maybe you work on a sliding scale. <clears throat> but they don't want you in. They want to see you better, Right? So in saying that, sometimes we can get so process driven, and I know it's about embracing process, I say that all the time, that I can negate the fact that in a moment, God can tear down a stronghold in my mind. In a moment, mental illness can go. In a moment, right, I'll no longer have suicidal thoughts. In a moment, that depression is gone. In a moment, right, anxiety leaves. In a moment, crippled people walk. In a moment, right, we seem blind people see. Deaf people hear, right? The demonized be free in just a moment, right? Crazy, amazing miracles, thousands and thousands of them. You could sometimes look at this place and say, there's only a few people here. And you could, <laughs> you could negate the fact that the family of God that's here has seen thousands of miracles over the last five years. I'm not exaggerating. All kinds of them, from inner healing to external healing, and sometimes both at the same time. And so as we go in this, I go into this prayer time, I wanted to build your expectation, release the testimony of the goodness of God that this can happen in a moment for you because I feel like there's going to be people in the room today or that are watching this or watch it later that strongholds are coming down today. And that reliving it and that blame game is going to stop because God's got so much more for you. You're way more powerful than that. So if you would... You can stand with me if you'd like and position yourself in any way that you want to receive. And I just want you to put your hand on your own, on your own heart. Pray for the person that's most important today. <laughs> I've thought that when I was praying for people sometimes. I thought, man, I probably need prayer more than they do. <laughs> so I receive while they are. <laughs> So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come.
Holy Spirit, we invite you to come with everything that Jesus paid for for this moment right here. Angels of God, we ask that you come too. Thank you, Father. Yeah, thanks, Papa. Thank you that you reveal to heal. Yeah, thank you that in bringing up these things, these strongholds that have been with us for far too long, that you have highlighted them today because you're going to do something about it. And I believe that I can speak for everybody, the sound of my voice, that we want you to do something about it too. We desire it. This is what we want. And we attach our faith right now to what the cross accomplished for us, for us to no longer live in a victim mentality, a victim mindset, and no longer allow those things to have power over us, to no longer allow those things to torment us hurt us, beat us down, pull us backwards when you created us to go forward. And so in the name of Jesus, we command every stronghold to be destroyed, every unhealthy stronghold of victim mindset to be destroyed in Jesus' name. Yeah, we thank you. We pray that the love of the Father, the peace, the shalom of heaven would enter into all those places where those strongholds were and that they would destroy everything that's attached itself into our minds that's causing us to continually relive those things, continually point the finger, continually blame people. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Father. Thank you for the willingness that I feel in the room, the surrender that I feel in the room. I thank you for surrendered. We sang it. You can have our hearts, but right now we give you our minds. Now that you've got our hearts, we give you our minds. And so we thank you, Father, for PTSD being broken in this moment in Jesus' name. We release love and healing and peace into the trauma center of the body. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for in this bankrupting and destroying every plan that the enemy had to continue to use that against us. And we thank you, Father, as this takes place, that it's going to cause us to be able to focus on what's in front of us and what you have for us in the future. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you for wounds being healed today. Yeah, thank you for wounds being healed today. Yeah, thank you for healing coming into hearts today. I even feel like that minds are being healed right now. Like I specifically felt like in the frontal lobe things were being healed and I felt like that there was actual damage caused in the frontal lobe from, from abuse. Yeah. I don't know if it was the physical or, or the, the mental abuse, like the verbal abuse. I, 
I feel like it, it, was, it was both kinds. But regardless, I thank you right now for that being completely healed, Jesus. For everything in the frontal lobe being healed. Yeah, thank you, Father. Thank you for what you're doing. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, th- thank you for rerouting those, those neural pathways. Thank you for, for those actually becoming brand new. Thank you for those neural pathways being born again. <laughs> yeah, the born again process for our minds. Taking on the mind of Christ. We take on the mind of Christ. Yeah, we thank you for the anointing. The anointing guarding our minds. The anointing guarding our minds. Yeah, the helmet of salvation guarding our minds. He had it all wrapped up in salvation. Your mind was, was, was intended to be used for Him. Yeah, thank you, Father. Thank you for new mindsets. Thank you for holy healing happening in this moment. I felt like there were emotions that are attached to those particular trains of thought that emotions obviously get triggered by our thinking. Um, so I, I saw the very roots of those emotions being replanted into our born-again new nature. Yeah, that they won't be able to be triggered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Father. Yeah, thank you. Mm, thank you. Ooh, thanks for what you're doing. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Ooh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for removing those things. I bless what you're doing in the room right now. Every heart, every person watching, we bless what you're doing now. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I feel like that this is an important reminder there's going to be a temptation at times throughout the day in this coming week to try to think back on those things. But even in when you do, it's not going to have the same feeling that it did. And it's going to be evidence that there's been healing that's taken place. And it's, it's in the desire even to want to be justified in, in, in character flaws that, are, that Jesus is working with right now that that desire is leaving. That that justification is leaving. The desire for justification is leaving. Yeah, thank you, Father, for removing excuses from us. We don't want to have excuses. We once did. We don't want, any, we don't want to anymore. Yeah, we thank you, Father, for leaving us without excuse and bringing us into the fullness of who we were always created to be as sons and daughters. Thanks for helping us grow into maturity. Yeah, thank you for a room full of people who desire to be mature, loving sons and daughters of God. Yeah, thank you, Father. Driven by love. Sarah said earlier what she heard, all, it's all hands on deck and all eyes on Him. So we focus in on what you have for us, Father forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, we press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And we thank you that we have the grace for this. 
thank you for the grace. We receive the grace right now for this, to walk this out with you, Jesus, with you. So thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. the holiness the holy love of the Father in the room we're going to hang out here just for a few more minutes I don't want to rush past this if we have a prayer team I'd ask that y'all come to the front and just hang out for a minute we bless Bless, yeah, we just bless what you're doing. Holy Spirit, we say more, God. I feel like there's more he's got planned. <laughs> yeah, so we just give you permission in each one of our hearts and minds to do whatever else that it is that you want to do in this moment. Yeah. Man, I feel like addiction's being broken right now. I don't know what you're addicted to. But I felt like I could I could see Jesus slam his fist down on the table in this holy righteous way. He says, "No more will that thing steal your love from me. No more will that thing steal your love from me, your attention from me, your time with me." No more will it steal your purpose. No more will it steal the identity that I've given you. No more will it cause shame. No more. I felt like today is going to be a demarcation of time that you can look back and say, things changed there. Things changed in that moment. We thank you, Jesus. I could feel the authority of heaven come when he slammed his fist down on the table felt the authority of heaven come into the room. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for all lesser lovers being laid down in this moment. Thank you for every addiction being destroyed in this moment. Thank you for the desire for those things being destroyed. Thank you for the root cause of those things. I command every root issue to come up and out by the roots right now in Jesus' name, by the roots, every root issue, every root issue up and out in Jesus' name, everyone. And we thank you, Father. Everyone, 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 out of the soul, out of the mind, in Jesus' name, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, thank you, Father. And thanks for a a flooding, not just an infilling, but a fresh flooding of your love, of your presence, of you, Holy Spirit, coming. We receive, we receive, we receive, we receive, we receive. Yeah, we receive not just a fresh infilling of Holy Spirit. One of the things that we often leave out is that our emotional tank needs to be filled too. 
So I thank you, Father, for filling our emotional tank in this moment. Sometimes the emotional tank being drained is what causes us to reach for other things other than Jesus to fill us. Those desires that are unhealthy, they come and we try to fill that that emotional tank with those things. So I thank you, Father, for coming and flooding our emotional tank right now with your love, with your love, with your love, with your love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just want you, as we... As I wrap this up, I just want you to to repeat this after me. If you would, we're going to ask some some help from Holy Spirit. We're going to make a commitment to grow into maturity and ask the Holy Spirit for a plan for our lives specifically. I just wanted to give you a preview before I said it. Sometimes you know most of you probably trust me, the rest of it, rest of you you <laughs> You'll figure it out. <laughs> so just say this with me, if you will. Holy Spirit, I commit to growing into maturity. I ask that you give me a plan that will work for my life. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, thanks, Holy Spirit. Yeah, thanks, Holy Spirit, that you're with us. You're for us. That you've created us to be powerful people, so you have set us up to thrive and succeed. You've got a plan of action for every person's life. Every one of us, a blueprint for our schedule with kids, without kids, whatever's going on in our lives, you've got a plan. And we thank you for giving us this opportunity to grow into maturity in Christ. In Jesus' name. Thanks, Jesus. (laughs) Thanks, Jesus. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.org.